Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi everyone, assalamu alaikum and welcome back to a new episode of this Muslim Girl Podcast, the first episode of the new year. In this episode, I am going to be joined by Sabria Bilal. Sabria is an incredible woman that I met through social media. She's an American-born um, Muslim from Philadelphia. She was a seasoned teacher for 19 years. She's now a public speaker, author, and community activist. She is the founder and CEO of Rubri Speaks, which is a faith-based organization that aims at empowering women to love themselves through trauma healing, life coaching, and forgiveness. Sabria began this organization about five years ago after experiencing a tumultuous divorce and becoming a single mother herself. So please join me in welcoming Sabria. Welcome to the podcast. There's so much that I want to already dig into in a conversation with you, but just to start, if you can just introduce yourself to everyone, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and really the journey that you've went through to um, get to the point where you are now and what inspired you to start the initiatives that you have now. Okay, so I am Sabria. I've started Sabria Speaks really, really about six years ago. And the reason why is because uh, six years ago, exactly this month, I, my husband just left. We were married. Um, I had, I was married prior. I had two children and this was my second marriage. And um, he and I have three children together. And January 19th, I gave birth to the third child. I'm in the hospital. That's a whole another story we can get into later. Um, which like I saw signs of something is going on unraveling. And I'm like, okay, you know, we'll deal with it. I come home from the hospital. Um, and it's a Monday night. So that Tuesday morning, he get gets up to like go to work. And by this point, I'm kind of like feeling like something is wrong. So I'm like searching for stuff, like signs that, you know something's going to happen or he's going to leave or he has another wife or, you know, something. I can't find anything. So I give him his keys and he's like, okay, so I'll come, you know, have a good day. And that was it. We never saw him again. Um, <laughs> I had a, you know, a newborn baby, four other children. My two youngest are only 15 months apart. So I had like a one-year-old and a newborn. And um, he just, he never came back. He never called. He never gave any explanation, you know, like something happened. I'm in the hospital, nothing. Um, and that really was like probably the worst period of my life. I was very depressed, um, very angry, um, spiritually unbalanced. Like I couldn't understand, you know, why someone would do this. You know, it was no explanation. Like it's not... I didn't do anything to um, warrant that type of behavior, which, and I don't think that anybody deserves to be treated that way, but I would have understand it a little bit better if like I had cheated or, you know, took money or, you know, something, you know, big. Um, I would be okay, he's responding to that. So I just lost my mind really for probably um, 
I would say a good three years. Bravery Speaks was a part of who I am. So my social media platform, the whole reason why I had Instagram was like for that. Like I would always just talk and say what's on my mind, but I was never consistent. Um, so I had been known for to be Bribri Speaks prior to this, but what made me more uh, passionate and consistent and purpose and, intention, and more intentional in this work was me going through that and um, just knowing that there's a lot of women that I've met over the course of my life, especially during that period, that don't make it out of, you know, that period. You know, they're, they either don't, you know, they take their own lives or they're not Muslim anymore or, you know, they just completely lose themselves. And a lot of them are women that I was close friends with. And I, to this day, I don't have no idea where they are, you know. So I just, um, and also another side effect of that, um, you know, when you're not emotionally happy and you're struggling with all those mental and emotional um, pains, you physically become sick, you know? And I really believe where a lot of diseases come from is from, you know, something happens to a person and their, that's their body's chemical reaction is like cancer or diabetes or, you know, sickness. And that's what happened to me. I was fine prior to that. And then I just got sick all of a sudden. I had a mass in my neck. They thought it was, I had cancer. I had to get major surgery. I was in a hospital for four years of that time, just constantly in and out of hospitals. Um, and it was just me just you know being depressed and sad um that was the physical my body's physical reaction to it so by the by fourth year four of being in the hospital i was just over it i was just like you know what i'm gonna die the doctors are not in the business of curing they're in the business of treating if they cure you there's they don't have business anymore so they give you medication to patch up the you know the pain, the, the whatever is going on, which they don't really get to the source of. And that's it. You're back in the month or you're back in two months. And if it's not for that thing, it's because that medication wow. now, you have some other issue. And I just said to Allah, you know, if you get me through this, let me live to see my kids grow up. You know, I'm going to dedicate my life to help make sure that another woman never goes through this. Or if they do, I'll be there, you know, to help them. And that's started Briefly Speaks. I needed to get my story out. I needed women to know, um, you know, what I was going through and that they weren't alone. So I started just talking. I started just telling it, you know, this is what's happening to me. This is, you know, what's going on. Um, this is where I've been. You know, if you haven't seen me in three or four years, this is why. And um, that's, yeah, that's how it started. And, and you wrote a book about it as well, right? I did. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the book? So my book, Quick Rib, is a little copy of it. Yes. Quick Which you can Rib find on Amazon, correct? Yes, you can find on Amazon. So I always wanted to write a book. I never thought that I'd write a book about, I never thought I'd write an autobiographical book, you know, but I always wanted to write. I, I, I love writing. I love poetry. So um, in, in the process of me on social media telling my story, 
I realized that I wanted, that was the book that I wanted to write. I wanted to not just tell my story, but I learned so much um, in this process about how important it is for us, especially as women, but all people to really love themselves and um, to value, you know, who they are and um, that they have worth and that we're all deserving of love. You shouldn't need to be, to look a certain way or be in a certain financial income, you know, bracket to have, you know, authentic love. You know, everyone deserves that. And I learned that in my process, I thought I loved myself, but I did it because I would have never accepted someone like that in my life. He wasn't um, the best husband from the beginning. You know, it wasn't like he turned into this bad person, but I ignored all those red flags um, and married this person because I thought that's the best I could do, you know? Um, so the book, what is really just me um, telling that, you know, writing, putting that to, putting pen to paper and letting women know how important it is to love themselves and how important it is to put themselves first, only for them, not for anything else. We are always taught, you know, we do everything for our kids and that's mm -hmm. nice. You know, we do certain things for our children, but you have to be whole and complete in order for you to even to give to them. Um, and that's what I talk about a lot in the book, just us loving ourselves and how we unintentionally pass generational trauma to our children if we don't put ourselves first. So that's what's in the book, um, you know, what happened. And also I pay homage to my children um, because they saw me at my worst. Mm. A lot of people did not see me you know, when I was really depressed and really down, but my children, you know, they can't escape. They have nowhere else to go. And I wanted to um, honor them by, by naming chapters after them um, because, um, you know, they really pulled me through. My my oldest son is 18 and mashallah, he's very mm -hmm. spiritually um, in tune. Him and my daughter, she's 16 now. And they would have days where they're like, mom, just pray, you know, mom, come on, let's do this. Let's read, let's read Quran, you know, it's, everything's going to be okay. Cause I just like cry probably every day. It's still very emotional for me talking about it, but I just remember just crying all the time and just calling out like, please help me. I, I just didn't know, you know, I didn't know how to get through it. You know, how am I going to make it through this? um difficult time and so many things happened like I never could breathe there was so much happening my I lost my he left and then that same week my I had a job I lost my job my son broke his leg he had to have major he had to have surgery oh my god it was just when it like, rains it pours it, it was just pouring like yeah. and I just couldn't breathe I couldn't get air to say okay let's let's you know, address this. I mean, do you think, and this must be such a difficult thing to, or it takes a long time to maybe come to this point, but do you think now you can look back and see that there was a purpose for all of those hardships? Because I think a lot of what you're talking about, although it's specific to, you know, marriage and divorce, and so a lot of people can relate um, in that perspective, but just um, loss or hardship in general, you know, that idea that, you know, it's, it's been such a hard year. It started off with this issue and I also experienced this and I lost this person and it just becomes so overwhelming. And so people um, 
including myself, I think tend to lose hope. Their iman gets very weak. And uh, I think when you speak to people who've been through very, very hard circumstances and have experienced some really horrible things, seeing them at the other end of it, talk about it is, is like, it's very beneficial because you can kind of look at it in a way and say like that, that can be me one day. And so have you been able to like look back retro retrospectively and think there was always a purpose that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was putting you in that, in those hardships to maybe bring you to a better place for you and your children? Absolutely. Um, I was complacent. Now I just have, um, my son says, mom, you're a beast. <laughs> but I just have this like, you know, a drive, I, mm. you know, um, that I didn't have before. Also, I learned a lot about myself, you know, that I wasn't as great as I thought, I, you know, I was, I had areas where I really needed to improve. Um, and I feel like all of that happened to show me that, like, there was nothing left but, but for me to look at myself in the mirror raw, you know, and say, okay, you got some things, and you, you know, so I probably would have never um, gotten to this, that point if all those things hadn't happened, because it forced me to change in order for me to, you know, have a better life and to push myself, you know, out of everything that we was in, I had to change myself and my thought process, you know, like, I feel like as human beings, especially in really in any faith, we feel like we're entitled to what we think we want. Mm -hmm. And, and I had to think like, well, who do you think you are that like, why, why didn't, why did, why, why could it not happen to you? Like, yes. why did, why does Allah have to give you everything you want? You, we're, our goal is not really to enjoy this life to that extent where we never have things happen to us. The goal is to go through those things so that you have eternal life in, in, in Jannah. And I lost sight of that goal. I wanted to have everything I wanted now. You know, I wanted the riches. I wanted the perfect marriage. I wanted everything, um, you know, that I felt that I deserved. But who says that I deserved that? Um, and that was really a hard lesson. Um, I remember, like, like praying um, to Hajjit and, like, really, when I came to that realization, just, like, crying, like, I am so selfish. I am so sorry, Allah. Like, who did I think I was that I deserved all that? Look at the story of the companions and the prophet. I, the prophet was like the greatest man ever. And look what he went through. Exactly. So who do I think I am that, you know, I'm not going to. So, yeah, that definitely humbled me. It really humbled me a lot. You know, like now I don't, uh, uh, I just, life is just different. And people you know, are different. I'm not very judgmental. I just look at people as souls and what can I, you know, learn and benefit from them and how can I, and vice versa, you know, and not like, yeah, I think we walk, when we see people, we automatically like make up in our minds who we think they are, you know, oh, she's pretty, oh, she's this, oh, she's that, oh, he's that, but um, I'm working my way through just a soul. This is a soul, you know, that has come to my life for a reason, even if it's for 10 minutes, and what impact can I have on them, and, and vice versa, because I, when I die, I'm going to be questioned about those 10 minutes, you know, so I try to really, really 
instill that in myself and my children you mm. know especially with the younger ones because if if that's just how they are how they're taught to be then they don't have to unteach anything else yeah. you know I, I have to unteach myself to not so yeah I, it sounds like you're very intuitive about the the interactions you have with people but also with yourself like when you think about the person that you were and who you're becoming or who you have become. Um, I like what you said because one of my favorite quotes or things that I've heard was um, there's an interview with Anderson Cooper and Stephen Colbert and they're talking about loss and um, it's on YouTube. I highly encourage people to watch it. It's one of my, I I visit it pretty often because I think it's a very um, wholesome, like very eye-opening conversation and there's a part where Anderson Cooper, I believe it was him, he was talking about how his mom used to teach him, like when he would say, well, why does this happen to me? And she would say, well, why wouldn't it? Like, why are you any different than everyone else who's experiencing loss and heartbreak and all kinds of trials and tribulations? Like, but she was telling him like, why not you? Like, why would you believe that somehow we would be free of any of these things? And I think when I started incorporating that into a way that I started facing some, you know, hardships, it was very comforting because at least for me, what my struggle was is like, why me? And feeling sorry mm-hmm. for myself and everyone else is, is at peace and doesn't have problems. But I always feel like I have problems, you know? And yeah, Allah, like, right. why is this happening to me? When you realize that really everyone is, I think it's like that main character syndrome where you just feel like the world revolves around you. I really think that changing your perspective and on how you view your uh, relationships and the relationship you have with yourself is um, very beneficial to having a healthier lifestyle or process uh, or having a healthier thought process towards facing trials and and such. So um, I wanted to ask you that, I mean, you talk about like how you helped women or how you help women currently. Was there anyone in your life or anyone that you met that helped you in that way? Or did you just feel like you had to become that person because no one like you existed in your life. No, I I met um, a sister during this time when I'm going through, um, you know, all of this unexpectedly. And she and I became really close, really, very quickly. I actually talk about her in the book and she really helped me a lot. She was very patient with me. I whined, I know, I whined probably way too much, (laughs) you know, throughout throughout the course of our friendship. I'm like, oh, I'm tired. And, you know, I'm so, so grateful for her. I really pray that we meet in Jenna, you know, Mm -hmm. and happy to see each other. Um, I'm very grateful because that was what I needed. And she taught me, you know, she didn't judge me. She didn't, you know, I, I could be whatever I was, however I felt at the moment. And she wasn't like, well, you're a bad Muslim because you feel that way. Or why are you dressing like that? Or, you know, where's your scarf, you know, or whatever. It was just, Mm -hmm. she just was like, she just let me be who I was. She loved my Mm -hmm. children. You know, she would give me time, like go, go have lunch. I got the kids, you know, take a day off of work or she'll call me like, what are you doing? I'm around the corner, come outside, you know, um, yeah, so uh, I I don't know another way to say, it, but she was like my guardian angel. You know, mm. she came at the point where I needed her the most, um, and I just I have so much love for her. 
Alhamdulillah for good friends. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Yes, alhamdulillah. It's crazy because I've, I was, I have so many friends, you know, like I've been Muslim all my life and I have all these people around me and I just met her, you know, and wow. she's, subhanAllah, I always, um, I tell my children all the time, you know, don't be afraid to meet new people and, and get to know them because you don't know what impact they're going to have on your life, you know, yeah. and you can know someone for 40 years and you know, they don't have an impact at all. You, you, you mentioned about like, you've grown up Muslim your whole life and you've known people, but someone that was new came into your life and was, you know, played a really big role in your healing. Yeah. And I know in your videos, like, I think I saw one a few weeks ago, you were talking about um, a sister who was needing help and the community wasn't there to provide that help. And so what, what do you think are some of the things that you've seen in either your experience or other women's experience in which the community falls short? You know, this kind of Muslim community that's supposed to be there for, for you in times of hardship, especially as a, as a woman. Um, I'm not sure of her experience, what her experience was. It seemed like that she was facing issues of like safety. Um, So do you want to talk a little bit about that or um, maybe give your insight onto you know, what can communities do to be better? Yeah, absolutely. That particular um, sister I actually met recently and she confided in me and she was going through, she was in abusive um, marriage and went to the masjid to get help. And Iman was kind of just like, oh, you know, what do you want us to do? You know, this is a lot. And I feel like in the community, especially when, this it's a touchy topic we kind of like we don't want to deal with it everybody kind of just runs it's like oh be patient I feel like for women it's kind of like well she shouldn't marry that man you know shame on her you know it's her fault mm-hmm. and then the men are kind of like uh you know shame on the woman for speaking like how could dare you embarrass your husband and you know that's like the ultimate disrespect and you know she's not pious and you know and then the imams are kind of like well you know, if it's not an Eid or, you know, an Akika or some happy event, it's like, oh, that's really touchy, you know? So then you're left to like either deal with it and risk your life or go get help from out from outside organizations. And in Philadelphia, a lot of the outside organizations are Christian. And in order for you to stay in the shelters or get the help, you have to like go to church, go to mass, you know, like pretty much apostate, you know, leave your religion or your beliefs and subject yourself and your children to something that you don't believe. All because the, the, your community didn't have the proper help, you know? Um, and I feel like we need to, this is, and this is why, uh, in addition to all the other reasons why I talk about, you know, what I do, because people don't want to talk about touchy topics. They get scared, you know, that, Maybe they're going to be shunned from the community or talked about in a negative light because they're talking about men. I don't talk bad about men. I don't hate men. I don't think all men are, you know, horrible, but there are some that need some help, you know, that are mean or abusive or, you know, oppressive. And it's not okay to just sit around and and turn a, a blind eye to it because we're afraid to talk about it or it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable conversation to have. It is. But the reality is that these are things are happening in our communities and we should be equipped to help the people that need the help, not just when you're coming to get married. 
I mean, do you see things changing do you, or do you see things staying the same? I mean, I think the people are slowly changing. They're more open and susceptible to these difficult conversations, sadly, because it's happening more often. They're being, more people are being affected. Um, I did a live with a sister who um, was in an abusive situation and had to literally leave the city um, to get help. And so many, there were hundreds of people on a live. And most of the people, you know, were there because they were either in this bad situation or going through, had gone through it and was so happy that, you know, we were talking about it and they just wanted the conversation to continue, you know. So I think that the community is changing. I don't think that the leaders are, they're not changing. They want to talk about thick, you know, and hijab and you should be wearing, you know, this and, you know, you should, this is, you know, dictating to us what religion looks like and what spirituality looks like. But do your job, you know, you yeah. you really do your job. When you have that title, it's not just to bash people and tell them what they should be doing and what they should be learning. It's to support a community in every aspect of the community, you know, and that's why I think, especially here in Philadelphia, there's so many Muslims, like 450,000 Muslims here. Wow. You know, and we don't have anything, you know, but that many Muslims, that's it, you know, and that's really sad, you know, that all these years, my whole childhood growing up being Muslim, this is no different for my children than it was for me. And that's really, just, I mean, that's so unfortunate because what you're lamenting about is really, I think, a common experience amongst a lot of different Muslim communities. Um, something I've even experienced. We just opened a, uh, like a community center, I'd say, within the last year. I was actually yeah. there yesterday playing soccer. We were jumping rope. We were doing double dutch, which I haven't done since I was like an elementary school, junior mm. high. And it brought back so many memories. But we have this like gated, um, you know, uh, community center that is safe and we have hours that are specifically for women and girls so that we can go and, and, and play sports and feel safe about it. And it's sad that it took this long. I mean, it shouldn't, it, it took, it took the right people, I should say. It took the right people who stood up and said, we need this. And then they put in a lot of work to get that money behind it, obviously, because you need money to build you yeah. know, something like that. Um, and so it just took the right people. And they worked very hard and I'm very proud of my, you know, that part of my community that did that because they saw something and didn't just say like, oh yeah, that would be nice to have, but they actually put in the work yeah. you know, to do that. Uh, because it is sad that like, you're saying you didn't have a lot of things and we could attribute that to many different reasons, you know, for, for a different generation. But like the fact that your kids are still also in the same situation yeah. um, is really unfortunate. And our Muslim communities um, should and could do better. We just, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, what the change is. Like my community is different. I, I come from a predominantly Yemeni community. I don't know if you know people in the Yemeni community or kind of how we are. It's it's a bit conservative, but I think one of the things you were talking about, about the imam and stuff, but like they love to talk about women um, mm. and talk about things that relate to women, except yeah. the things that we ask them to talk about 
Um, or when you're saying like, hey, can you talk about this? Or can you, you know, can you talk a little bit more about how as a Muslim woman, I have the right, you know, I have these rights and I can marry mm -hmm. who I want and he doesn't have to be Arab or all these things. And then suddenly they're like, I don't want to make the fathers uncomfortable, you know, like, but you don't, you don't mind making women uncomfortable when you're sitting there right. talking about what they're wearing or how they can speak or what they can do or, you know, how they need to be uh, less ambitious so that they're more desirable to men, etc. Um, I mean, yeah. I can go on for, for a long time about that. It's very frustrating. Yeah, it um, um, I want to pivot a little bit towards a kind of a different topic. Um, I know you talk a lot about, um, you know, finding your self-worth, your self-love, and especially doing that prior to meeting or, you know, having the intention of meeting that person that you would want to, you know, uh, get married to. Mm -hmm. And I know you've talked a lot about like love languages. You talked about um, red flags. You've talked about, you know, uh, first love yourself so that someone else can love you. If you can just give us like a few highlights or like some of the main things that you've learned um, through your experience of your own experience or women that you've spoken to, but um, what are some things that you would advise women who might be interested in you know taking that step and meeting someone what do, what kind of like inner work do they have to do do you think before that and then what do they need to look out for once they're you know you know I, I'm good like I'm ready what do I need to look for like in that person if I'm going to start searching for them hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I would say um, the probably the biggest thing would be you know, we live in a society where women look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the women are portrayed a certain way. And 90% of women don't fit that, you know, that mood. So you have to um, train yourself to love your insecurities, you know, to love your whatever it is about you that doesn't look like that, you know. Um, like me, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not a little woman. I'm six foot, you mashallah. know. So I stand out, mashallah. You know, I stand out in the crowd in the in the crowd, um, and I'm robust. You know, like I probably my tribe is probably from Africa somewhere. You know, Nigeria. So I trace my heritage, and so I have to love that about myself because I can't change that. You know, it's not I was. This is how I was born. This is how I am, and I've always encourage women to that if they are able to change something change it you know if you don't like your size you can lose weight you can get healthy you know go ahead I'm all for that but if you don't like the fact that 
you know, you have bags under your eyes, or, you know, I call it the rabbit eye, you know, I got the uh, the raccoon gene, you know, mm-hmm. or you have a, a deeper voice than women, or you have facial hair, or, you know, you have to find a way to fall in love with yourself. And I promise you that you will meet a man who will love you probably because of those things. And it sounds crazy, but it's true, you know, that you meet a man who loves women with whatever it is that, you know, you think is unattractive, you know, um, or in my instance, you know, a man who loves tall women, you know, who loves big and tall women. So I would say first, you have to fall in love with it. And I actually tell, um, I actually told this to a client of mine recently who was struggling with her body image after having four children. And I said, you know, you have to look at yourself completely unclothed. And in, in, in every part of your body, say what you're grateful for about it. Not, oh, just if I could just have my stomach a little smaller, or if I just, if I, my skin was just a little, br- no. We're always Don't looking for the negatives. Always looking for the negative. We always do this as women. Even when we get complimented, if I was to say, oh, my, Marshall, ma'am, you are so beautiful. I love that scarf. Oh, this, this old scarf. You wouldn't, you know, we're, not you personally, but we have a hard time just taking the compliment. You know, like, you're beautiful. Mashallah, thank you. You know, not but or uh, if, you know. And so we look in the mirror. I told her, look in the mirror and, and, and tell your body all the things about it that you love. You, it woke up. It carries you. It allows you to breathe. You have, Can you see? Yes. Well, then you have eyes to see. You can hear. You can think. You know, you have free will. You can feed yourself. How many people can't even feed themselves, you know, can't digest food or can't see, you know, the beauty of, of the world, you know, you have hair, you're so beautiful, you know, you can do all kinds of things with it, pull it up, pull it down, you know, every aspect of your body is something, it provides you with something. And then uh, uh, that's a, uh, when you become a mother, it's a whole nother level of gratitude that this body carry us a, a life, you know, a soul, it nursed, you know, um, the nourishment of a baby is solely dependent on a mother. You know, that's so beautiful. That is a beautiful thing. So I tell her, I told her that, and I tell a lot of women that um, to do that, to, to be all the things that you would love about yourself and try not to mask yourself with, with things, you know, covering up your beauty. Just be in your natural state and love yourself in your natural state. A, a, a woman that loves herself is very attractive. Confidence you, is attractive. Confidence is attractive. I, I, um, you mentioned a podcast. I was listening to um, a podcast. Um, um, I can't think of the name. I want to say one podcast, but I don't think it was that. But anyway, the the the, this was a topic. It was a psychologist on and uh, some other women professionals um, in the beauty industry. And she talks about this. She says, you know, have you ever seen a man who maybe cheated on his wife? And the woman, you know, maybe the the wife, you know, looks like Barbie, you know, and the woman looks the opposite of that. And people are all thinking, you know, why would he pick her? What is, you know, so great? She's not even pretty, you know. The wife is like trying to tease her because she's like, you're not even prettier than me. She said, you know what that the man, that woman has that the other woman probably doesn't? Confidence. 
you know? And when you're confident and you're not constantly picking on, oh, I'm sorry that, you know, you're apologizing constantly. We don't even realize that we're apologizing for everything. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm this, you're probably, I'm this. That's annoying that you are doing that so much that you can't even love and fully love and appreciate your spouse. And vice versa, men too have insecurities. You see it sometimes in men as well that have insecurities. So my first advice would be to love yourself unapologetically. Do not apologize for loving who you are and radically loving yourself, you know, not apologizing, taking and setting boundaries. Oh my God. We don't set boundaries. Women are naturally caregivers and and um, we want to help everyone and then we don't set boundaries for ourselves and we take that same unhealthy behavior into a relationship and we think that if we just give my our husbands everything we just cater to him and wash his feet and whatever he is yes 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 he's, every time he comes home you're ready that that's love that mm. really isn't love you know that's an unhealthy relationship and that's unhealthy response to what we think love is and you're not giving boundaries you're not saying hey i'm not gonna always be here when you get home you know i'm not gonna always have dinner i'm not perfect i'm human how about some nights we both cook together you know wouldn't that be amazing we date let's date let's have a date you pick up something from the store and we'll we'll you know listen to our favorite song or we'll listen to our favorite lecture or whatever and we'll talk about how we first met and fall in love with each, with each other all over again let's stop trying to be perfect and one thing men don't do men don't do that men be who they are you know and we always say we ignore the red flags men don't try to pretend to be something that they're not. We just don't want to see. So learn from them. Do self-care. We are, and, and a lot of it is conditional. Um, a lot of it is cultural. Yeah. You know, like you said, you're Yemeni-American, I'm African-American. And I, I feel like no matter what your cultural or um, racial background is, we're all, women are all taught that. You know, yeah. we're like all being groomed to be wives, yeah. you know, from a very young age. So, you know, we see kids, they're like, you know, she can't be uh, like that. She can't have that character. Why? Well, no man's going to want to marry her. If she's like mm. that, you know, she's loud or she has a warrior spirit. She's not like, you know, this petite, quiet little girl who just gets all A's and, you know, she doesn't play with dolls. You know, she doesn't like dolls. It's like, oh, she doesn't like dolls. She's not going to be a mother. No man's going to want, you know, it's like, no I'm not raising my daughters to be wives I'm raising my daughters to be human beings you know because you you know you can't be a mother and a wife if you're not even a human you don't even know what it means to be human you know how am I supposed to be a good wife I don't even know how to be me you know so it's like we're almost raised to be not the main characters of our story but rather the supporting character to everyone else the wife the mother the there's like this title behind it rather than being nude or being sabria like being who you are first and um you know obviously there's nothing wrong with being a nurturer and being an empath I think that's like honestly something I've struggled with in the last year which was a positive struggle because it helped me set boundaries like what you were talking about but this like guilt that I felt 
by the idea of even like, I don't feel comfortable doing this. And I want to say, I don't want to do it, but I feel right. guilty. So therefore I'm still going to do it. Exactly. Worried about um, what the other person and how they're going to feel. Nine times out of 10, they're going to be okay. I mean, <laughs> like you said, men do it all the time. There's people, other people in our lives that do it all the time. We end up being okay, you know? Um, so it's yeah. been a work in progress. And like, I mean, I, I've been in therapy for a couple of years, just mm-hmm. working on myself, making sure that like, I understand very similar to what you're talking about, like, understand who I am as a person, like finding my toxic traits and letting go, letting go of those, mm-hmm. but like finding the stuff that I like about myself and embracing it, even if mm-hmm. it's imperfect, like you yeah. talk about how we raise or groom girls to be wives and talk about their character and how are you like you can't sit like that you're a girl you can't speak like that you're a girl and then add on top of that they get older and there's like this whole beauty standard that then they're just you know picking themselves apart in front of the mirror that their you know face looks like this and their skin looks like this and their hair and whatever and so it's a very vicious cycle and a very tumultuous like type of thinking that really carries into like you said our relationships Mm -hmm. our self-worth um, whether that's when you're looking for a relationship or once you're actually in in one um yeah but yeah so so your advice would be self-love when it comes to red flags this is prior to marriage because I think you can still look for them in, in marriages as well but like prior to marriage mm-hmm. what are some of the to be conscious of or be aware of because I think you said like we tend to ignore them how would you uh, advise someone to just you know keep your eyes open basically yeah um, I think one of the um, the biggest red flags prior to marriage is being controlled, um, you know, and they do it in such a nice way. You know, you're maybe, um, you know, out with them, you know, this is the first time you guys are meeting, you know, and he makes mention of something, you know, oh, is this how you dress? You, this is how you wear hijab, you know, mm-hmm. you like this all the time, or is it just because you know, excuse you, you know, you know, what do you mean? You know, and, and this happens often, you know, uh, or you go out and it's like, can you, I love this meal. Can you make this meal? You know, and a lot of the, a lot of it is very subtle. So you don't even know that it's happening, mm-hmm. you know, um, or you don't need to know where you are all the time. You know, where are you at? what are you doing? We're not even married, dude. Like, I don't have a obligation to tell you where I'm at all the time. You know, mm-hmm. why do you answer your phone? Or, you know, I tried to call you and your mom said that you were here and I went there, you weren't there. Those are red flags for sure. So especially, um, you know, wanting to know how you dress, and what do you look like when you do this or you know, what, how did, do you have a problem wearing such and such? Or do you have a problem? I had a, a brother ask me, uh, did I have a problem? <laughs> did I have a problem showing him what I look like in just in the house? You know, like what I would wear if I, and I said, you know, what, so you want to see me unclothed? And he's like, well, it's a sunnah. And I was like, what sunnah are you following? Because I've never heard that. He goes and digs and finds this like one hadith, you know, where a man, a prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, allowed a man 
to um, look through the window of a house to see um, the woman that he was going to marry. He wanted to like see her in her everyday clothes. And I said, there's thousands of hadith and you pick this one hadith that probably has two, one or two, one of two things, if not both, a weak chain of narration or uh, some type of fatwa where he had an excuse because of a situation. Maybe mm -hmm. she had a sickness, you know, or she, you know, had an illness or a leprosy or something and he wanted to just see, you know, and now you're, you're telling me that this is sunnah. And this, if if we're not aware of, of Islam, we don't know our rights and know the deen mm -hmm. and the process. These things happen all the time. You'd fall for it. Yeah. You know, you know, imagine if I'm like, okay, you know, you could see me. Like, you know, or just to be, sometimes women are so eager to get married because you really like the person a lot. And so much is aligning. They, they, you know, he's a good story to tell. You know, he has all the things you want to be able to tell your friends. Oh, he's a doctor and he's six foot two. And, you know, he has a house and all these things. And, you know, and you feel like it makes you feel, look better by marrying a person that's already established. Mm. And I would say, to be very careful to marry someone who's already done the work to get where they are. A lot of times people don't want to include you in that. Mm. You know, they they don't want to include you. I did this. I went to school for 10 years. I had bought a house. I have, a, you know, now what are you going to bring to that? So, you know, it's very, it's sometimes you have to be very careful because we, I know us growing up as girls, we would laugh about, you know, that, but it was, you know, very much accepted, um, especially in my family, because I come from a, you know, pretty well-to-do family, mashallah. So the expectation was to marry someone who was also, you know, well-to-do, you know, mm -hmm. and I felt like that, I don't know how well that works, because the men aren't very willing to give you what they've already worked for. They don't feel like you, you don't deserve, this is my money. You know, and I'll give you like a, a stipend. I remember my husband telling me, you know, he's like, you can have a certain amount of money a month, but you need to like work for what you want because this is my money, you oh. know? And I was just like, okay, lesson learned, you know? <laughs> you know I feel like it's so much more gratifying and uh, more um, strength on the relationship when you two come in and work on something together. Mm. You know, I feel like it builds so much more depth. I feel like a lot of my friends who are married to men who already had money, it's always this underlying thing and it's not really talked about, but it's just kind of like, you have that because I already, because I, I, because of me. Yes. You know, you didn't work for it, you know, and. Do you think it's like an imbalance of like one person's ego, which maybe in the circumstance we're talking about, like a man's ego him having um feeling like he has more power in the relationship and so it's like I did all of these great things I'm such a great person and your reward for in this relationship is me right and and so I expect you to fit into my world by providing me what else is like in my vision the perfect life so I've already built my perfect career I went to school I have you know my dream salary whatever it is, I just need the perfect wife that's going to come and bring me those perfect kids rather right. than seeing her and him as like two people um, equals that can come together. And like what you said, 
uh, build something together rather than right. don't like whether you're in my life or not like I already have a plan like you don't really matter that much you're just like an extra piece and if it's not you you're replaceable basically I can just go find someone yeah, else to fill that void and yeah. so that's like um you know when you talk about red flags I, I think someone who <laughs> talks about themselves and about like their life as if it's like set and not like that someone else can come into it and right. and add or be that other half of it is Absolutely. very much a red flag unless that's something you're looking for like I mean some women are looking for that and that's I guess that works for them you know someone who's like I don't have many goals I'm not very ambitious I just want someone to take care of me I'll have kids and like that's my dream life um if that works for some people then great but um if you're obviously not that person and you're ambitious I think it's important to find someone who's gonna honor that and like encourage that in you you know yeah don't turn that light Okay, so we're talking about in a video, um, searching for things and um, like other people, like searching for things uh, within, like that you want. So like, if you want happiness, don't go look for it in another person. You have to find Mm -hmm. that happiness within yourself to be complete, you know, and then have someone who comes and compliments or supplements that don't look for someone to complete you. And so accomplish that sense of identity and love that you would want from another person but like for yourself first so when searching for a partner how do you think or what's your like what's your idea of of that then like what is a partner if because I I agree with you I don't think that you should look for someone who's going to fill voids that you can fill yourself because then you're really depending one on a flawed human being Mm -hmm. to do that and two um that person could be gone one day as you know, like di- for different reasons, they could just be gone. And then what happens to you, you know? Right. Um, so what do you think then is that role that that person plays in your life? You're a complete human. You bring someone else. And what is, what is their role? So I believe that marriage is two people coming together, sharing time and space, you know, sharing lives together. Ultimately, of course, you know, to aid each other in getting to um, Jannah. And while you're on earth, if you meet two people or or whole prior, the love and um, support that they bring in in a relationship opens up all the things you have in ways you never thought that could be open. You know, like, so if I already love myself and I meet a man who loves me, who loves himself, then that gives him the freedom to love me in a way that I never thought that I could be loved. You know, mm-hmm. like I could only love myself. Uh, okay, put it like I, 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 like this. You can be as, only can be as complete as you can be single. And when you meet your soulmate, that's the completion. It's like the other half of what you, what you, to, to what you already have. So you you're know? saying that you're, you have to complete your half. Because right. basically, if you have 50, if you fill up 50%, which is your 100%, but it's 50% of the relationship, then you come in together at 100%. But if I'm at like 25%, then I'm still missing half. I go into a relationship, that person is at 50, I'm at 25, there's still like that deficit of 25%, and which I'm asking them to fill. Right. 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 That's right. interesting. Mm. Yeah. So you, you, you meet this person. 
And like, you know, I never thought that, I thought I loved myself and that I met my husband and he loves me in a way that I never thought. Because the beautiful thing about relationships is that the way you do things and your thought process and your story and your journey to where you are is not that person's way. So your idea, for example, when you get up in the morning, your first uh, go-to may be, okay, get up, you know, brush my teeth. And your husband's first go-to may be get up and hug you. And you never even, you never thought of that, you know? So mm. he's he's loving you beyond the love that you have for yourself, you know, and, and vice versa, you know, like you you do something that you do that's natural your spouse may never think to do it and so now you're showing him you're 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 living each other you're living your lives and showing each other the beauty in in life through your eyes mm. you know and, and it could be something what, that they were missing in their lives and we all have different experiences it. exactly we all have different experiences in different ways that we've been shown love yeah and so I think that's a beautiful thing that you shared. There's one other thing that I wanted to talk about. So I, I posted on my Instagram stories, right? Like trying to get some content, like what do people want to hear? And I had some, some women send me some messages and I kept thinking, this is something I cannot speak about because I'm not someone who's experienced marriage and divorce. Mm-hmm. And so um, I thought I would take the opportunity anytime that I have anyone who has experienced it to ask them some of the questions that were asked only because um, that is probably the best person to speak about that, not myself. And so kind of the two questions, one, I think throughout our conversation, we've already discussed, which is like how to, you know, um, heal after an experience. But Mm -hmm. one of the things was, you know, whether you're a single mother or just a divorcee with no kids, but how do you, you know, get back into, I guess, like looking for, for, for love again, whether it's because you've been burnt, like trauma, um, what would that process look like for them to uh, attempt it in a healthy way, I will say, because I don't think that, I mean, obviously anyone could jump into it right away, but is that going to be a healthy relationship considering you haven't taken time to heal? Probably not. So what would your advice be um, as someone who's experienced that? Because I would really appreciate your input for those women, um, because I really can't speak to that. So I would say I agree with you. Yes. First heal. Um, Divorce is really kind of like a death. You know, you really have to mourn the loss of the person. Um, The hardest emotion um, I feel like when you're going through a divorce is that you don't just stop loving someone just because you know, they've hurt you or you're not married, you still have, you know, care about them deeply. Um, And especially if you have children, um, that's a whole nother, you know, story, you know, to deal with because then you have to train the children and they're not going to see this person like they used to see them and the relationship is going to change. And that's a whole nother level of healing to see your children, you know, go through that hurt. But um, I always tell people who are going through divorce to mourn the divorce. And they say, well, when, am I, when do I know I'm ready? You know you're ready when you no longer, when that person is no longer a thought, you know, is no longer, you know, you no longer miss the person, but you miss the position, you know, that they had. You know, you miss being married, the act of marriage, but not miss being married to them. 
you know, or conversations with them. You know, you're no longer having thoughts and laughing, you know, out loud about something that they said. Um, but, you know, you feel focused and ready to move on. And I feel like before you can even start to heal, you really, really need to just mourn, like cry, you know, do what you need to do, uh, journal, take a trip. You know, I love going to the beach when I feel really, really overwhelmed. I'll just go to the beach mm-hmm. and I'll stay you know, like if it's just a weekend, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive trip somewhere in the state. And I, the beach is so therapeutic to me. It's so healing. And I just talk to the water. I write, you know, um, letters. I throw, put them in the, put them out in the, in the world, read them out into the world. And then I let it go. So I would say that's firstly, you know, healing from that just to make sure that you are, you completely have mourned that person and they're not still a part of your spirit in a way that's going to affect a new relationship. And then I, I also, the next thing you want to do is be intentional about that you are, that you are available. So when you're going out, make sure that you are open to conversations. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to the supermarket and a brother, I'm walking out and saw what he come. You know, I'm like, I was so, I'm so taken aback by it that I don't, sometimes I don't respond because <laughs> I'm just like, you know, but you don't know how, you know, once you're healed and you're loving yourself and you're glowing, how attractive that is. You know, you're just shopping, you're just happy. Oh, I'm going, you know, I'm going to make salmon. You know, let's go to the market <laughs> and be intentional. Look your best. You know, don't just throw on, you know, your tennis sneakers, you know, but you should always be, my sister is um, a, a model, a hijabi model, and she, her advice to me years ago, and I think this is the, one of the best advice I've, could, I've gotten as far as being a Muslim woman, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, you represent more than just you. Mm. Every time we walk out the door, we represent all of us. You represent me. I represent you. Um, and, and so be intentional about getting dressed and showing up for yourself. You know, every day, I don't care if you're just going to get the mail, come back. If it's just a house dress, but it's so beautiful, you know, and you feel beautiful in it. Because when you feel good, you look good. And yet personifies into the world. You know, and I think that has a lot, like, you don't want to look like, oh, I'm going through a divorce, I'm so sad, you know, you're not going to attract, and if you do, you're going to attract other men that are also feeling that way, and in that spirit, you want to attract men that are feeling the way you're feeling, are happy, and are ready to move on, and ready to love, and are whole, so be intentional, you know, when you get up, get fully dressed, you know, comb your hair, wash your face, you know, if you wear makeup, wear makeup, you know, whatever it is that you do to make you feel beautiful, treat yourself, you know, to a new outfit, you know, every, and, and be open, Mm -hmm. let your spirit be open, when you go out and you see people and they greet you, or they open the door, thank you, you know, smile, you know, you don't know what that's going to lead to, um, you know, in the future, and, now we're is you know in twenty we're in this new century where there's marriage apps everywhere, but you have yeah. you know you could that's that's definitely an option. I have tons of friends who've met their husbands um, that way, and I think you know it's a I like the concept because it takes the stress off of you having to meet someone that you don't know. Yeah, you, know, you can talk to them for you know as long as you feel comfortable. When you meet them. 
it's not as that nervous feeling of meeting a stranger, you know, mm-hmm. and now just like conversation is a little more easier. You don't have to pull from, you know, what to talk about, but um, I it also think, like yeah. expands your horizons because then you're not just limited to the little community that you're from, because maybe yeah, there just isn't someone for you there. And so I, I don't see it an issue of if someone wants to, you know, look elsewhere. I mean, technology social media like it's really opened up the world for you to meet yeah. I mean, you and i met through social media so if it didn't exist i don't know we would have crossed paths <laughs> right right you know yeah absolutely and so i think i would encourage um anyone to to be open-minded but like you said the work i think is the most important i think no one can tell you how long it's going to take to heal from heartbreak or divorce yeah. or whatever it is but I guess what I would add to that is that the one thing you can never get back is like time. And even if like in that process is you're grieving, like the relationship, don't let time pass you. Like, like you said, wake up and like have that good day, try to go grocery shopping, try to go for a walk, go to the beach, make use of that time because you're not going to get it back. And one day you will heal because everything does, you know, come to not necessarily an end, but you grow through it. You learn to adapt with your problems. And so you will find a brighter day. You just have to make sure that you're not spending years sometimes just in the dark because you're, you're waiting for that. And also, you know, uh, in therapy, they teach you like you do a lot of these practices because it's part of the process of healing, you know, nature going out, waking up, like I found that the days where I don't feel my best and I stay in my room, it makes things worse. Or at the very yeah. least, it doesn't make it better. But if I force myself and I go to Target and I just walk around and I'm shopping and just looking at things, I immediately feel better. Yeah. Not to say that retail therapy is the best <laughs> form of therapy, but it's just, you know, you meet a person, they say hello, they make your day, someone's nice yeah. to you, you, uh, you know, buy some things for yourself that will make you feel good and you go home and, you know, you like put on a mask or whatever it is, like all of that is like really good things. And so I've really appreciated our conversation and our talk I think that what you're doing is incredible and I hope that this reaches everyone that needs to hear it and I think you know there's a lot of people that um, can apply a lot of what we talked about into their personal lives whether that's because of relationships or or not or I I should say romantic relationships Um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about and then I also wanted to give you an opportunity to plug in anything that you got going on I know you do like some coaching um you have your book, you have your website, you have obviously your Instagram. And I want to make sure that everyone's aware of where they can find you and if they have, you know, how they can get access to you if they need. Yeah, thank you as well for having me. I'm grateful for you taking your time out of your life. Along the lines of everything you said, just anybody who sees this, just make sure that you love yourself, you know, and that you deserve love. Remind, remind yourself every day that you are worthy and valuable. You deserve love. You know, you, everyone deserves to be, everyone deserves to be somebody, someone, mm-hmm. um, you know? Um, so that's, that's, that doesn't, there's no conditions on that. Oh, and so where to find me? Oh, I have my Instagram is Bree Bree Speaks. My website is Bree Speaks.com. <laughs> Um, I am a life coach, um, and I have, uh, actually I have a package for the new years, new year, new you, what are you going to do mm. as a 12 week coaching course to help women who are, um, have low self-esteem or experience trauma to heal and learn to love themselves. 
Arts. Um, so that's on the website. And um, yeah, I speak. Um, I'm a, a motivational, inspirational speaker. So mm-hmm. people, you know, will invite me to come out to their events and speak. Um, I do that as well. I have one coming up, actually. And you do soon. virtual as well? Yes, I do virtual, um, both in-person and virtual events. So if you ever wanted to um, book me for an event, you can, uh, virtual would be fine as well. Perfect. And this is all on your website, correct? Yes, everything's on the website, or um, you could email me from the website um, for more information. You could message me on Instagram as well. Yes, um, and I'll have all that information as well in the description of the podcast. And then uh, obviously when this airs, I'll be able to tag you in a lot of the posts so that um, anyone that listens to this can find you through my Instagram at this Muslim Girl Podcast as well. Thank you for tuning in to this episode and thank you to our special guest. As always, follow this Muslim Girl Podcast on all socials to be up to date on all content and the latest episodes. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.